Welcome back to the Carnivore Yogi Podcast. Today's episode is with Dr. Sarah Zaldivar. And the thing I find the most interesting about Dr. Sarah is that she has gone through extensive, extensive education and was taught really that a high carb plant-based diet is the healthiest diet. However, even with all of that education and all the money that she spent on the education, she is of the mindset that a high meat diet is really the best diet. She's had her own personal health transformation of losing over 25 pounds, as well as her husband having his own health transformation of chronic back pain, which is now gone due to a high meat diet. So I really do hope that you guys enjoy today's episode. We also talk about vitamin A toxicity, how she's changed her views on honey, and all of the topics that we talk about are gonna be linked down in the show notes in the form of timestamps. So if you want to surf around through different things, please feel free to do that. If you find something interesting and wanna go back to it, that is why I have those timestamps available for you guys. And before we jump into sponsorships, I just want to announce the launch of my 21-day Leptin Reset Coaching Plan. Now, this is going to be a live coaching event. It will start on May the 30th, 2022. So if you're listening to this after the fact, you will be able to purchase the course in a different format. So never fear, you can always use the link that'll be in the show notes for you guys. But this is going to be a live coaching event where I'm gonna walk you through 21 days as well as provide Zoom support for everyone who signs up for this. So if you have an issue reaching satiety, even on a carnivore or keto diet, you're struggling with an extra 15 pounds or more, you just really feel like you are doing the best that you can as far as how much you're eating, but you're still overeating, you might be leptin resistant. And taking this 21 day course might be the thing that helps get you back on track. So check it out. It'll be linked down in the show notes for you guys, along with my circadian kickstart course, which is available for 50% off for a limited time. So check that out as well. And thank you to my two sponsors for sponsoring today's episode. We have Optimal Carnivore. Carnivore uppercase Y is the code to save you 10% on their grass-fed beef liver supplements as well as their organ meat complex. Both of those we take here in our home daily. And then Upgraded Formulas, my code there is YOGI12 or YOGI. And this is where I get a hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation to fine tune my supplementation. So I am not taking more things than I actually need. This is a very valuable tool. I recommend it to all of my clients. All right, guys, enjoy today's episode and I will talk with you again soon. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming back and tuning in. I am so excited to talk to Dr. Sarah. It's Zaldivar. Is that correct? Did I say that right? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. I've been watching your videos for a long time before I even started talking extensively about the carnivore diet. So this is really fun for me. Oh, how cool. That's so cool. Um, well, what, let's talk a little bit about your history. You are PhD, right? have a history. Yeah. So I have a bachelor's and a master's in nutrition and dietetics, um, done my internship, passed the exams, all that kind of stuff. Then I did my PhD in exercise physiology with a minor in nutrition at the university of Miami did that certified personal trainer acsm the american college of sports medicine exercise physiologist certified um, i've taught for them 
as well, um, helping students become certified personal trainers um, with the ACSM. Um, so that is like my academic background. And recently I've dove, I've like, I, I have, should I, let me see. By the way, everybody, I'm from Lebanon. So when I mess up my English, just understand I'm international. <laughs> That's the excuse I use. I've been using that for the last nine years. <laughs> I think it's very valid, honestly. <laughs> I think so. Thank you. Yes. So um, I dove head first into YouTube in the last few years just because I wanted um, to not be employed first and foremost. And also to just share what I think is a healthier alternative to um, to diet and, and, and fitness, but not just that. Like, it's not that I started my YouTube channel to become this carnivore doctor. I just started it and I started creating those videos because it was what was easy for me. You know, the sciencey stuff came easy. I could script something very quickly. I could do the research effect, like efficiently and, and then from there, I guess people started referring to me as a carnivore doctor, but it's not just that. And I, I really try hard to remind people, like, don't put me in a label because I will constantly create videos that are lifestyle or something completely not related. I think eventually everything is related yes. in life, you know, because yes. if you want to do, if you want to have a, a beautiful, happy lifestyle, it has to do with your exercise habits as well. It has to do with what you eat. It has to do with so many things. So um, but, but mainly yeah, I, I, you could say my focus is that plus a very strong passion for anti-aging medicine, because I do not want to die. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's a lot of that there. Yeah. I love that. And how did you get from someone who's obviously been classically trained and educated in nutrition to all the way here on the other side? Uh -huh. Cause that's, that's quite a leap. And I'm sure it's very different from what you were taught. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole reason I wanted to become a dietitian was because I wanted to get fit. Like at 17, even before that, um, I started being self-conscious, you know, in my early teens, you know, you get like one comment and it sticks with you. Yes. And ever since then, like, I think I was 12 or 13 when I started really dieting doing crash diets, um, restrict and then binge. And that mm. started a binge eating disorder and a sugar addiction, um, which I can literally right now, like if I'll have a, a, a slice of cake that, that comes, that all comes back. And I'll mm. just want to keep eating that stuff for a while before, you know, it's hard for me to stop that cycle, which is why for me, I can do like, Oh, a cheat meal. I mean, you know, and like yeah. schedule a cheat meal, that doesn't work for me, my brain. Yeah. So, yeah. And I know that you also have the, a very similar story to that. So Definitely. you understand how it all started and, um, just having, you know, I was very depressed in my last year of high school, suicidal, multiple attempts, definitely one of them, 100% serious. Um, and then from that, I guess that gave me a deep passion into wellness and health and fitness. And that's why I decided to become a dietitian. But little did I know that the traditional academic pathway to becoming a dietitian was going to be the hardest, longest way because I was literally being brainwashed to eat more carbs when 
like mm-hmm. the, the, the first time I started eating more carbs when I was when I started following the traditional food guide pyramid, we didn't eat as many carbohydrates before. And so that obviously wrecked havoc on my health and it exacerbated a sugar addiction and a yo-yo dieting and a binge eating disorder that was pretty severe. My brother had to put the Nutella jar under lock and key and, and stash it in his bedroom. And I would still get in there and crack it open and eat the jar. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know? And so you are, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty like really, really hard emotional things that I went through. But because of that, I think now I get to share the, the whole ancestral functional medicine, other side of the story. And I, if I didn't go through all of that, I wouldn't have the mental or physical strength that I have right now. And so, so that's really what got me to becoming a dietitian. But of course that didn't help. It just kind of made the whole cycle work, like just pro- it prolonged it. And I still had that sugar addiction throughout like decades of academia and um finally when i met my husband he only ate meat the only vegetable that he ate was spinach and uh and i would be on his case to eat his vegetables and uh and he wouldn't listen and then i realized like this guy never gets sick doesn't know what a headache means and maybe there's something to that and around that time i started reading stephen gundry's book the the plant paradox and people like yourself, like um, Dr. Paul Saladino, Dr. Sean Baker, the Peterson, I mean, the whole, everybody, you know, I started really consuming all that content because every time I would, tr- I would be making progress in my fitness and then I would have a setback with the addiction and the binge eating and it would last for so long and it would feel like so worthless and hopeless and suicidal yet again. Yeah. Um, I would go then and be like, well, there has to be an answer. And so I would go and buy the books. I would go and watch all the content. So it's, it was like every time I would hit rock bottom, it, it became a stimulus for me to learn and learn and learn so much more. And that's how eventually I got into carnivore um, diets. And funny enough, the only thing that my husband ever complained about was very bad low back pain very low uh very sore lower back he's he's very tall but and people tend to you know have that vulnerability but he was told that it was uh in the 1990s hurricane andrew came to miami and yes i remember that yeah it was really bad right and it knocked over a tree on his house so he moved the tree away from his house and he thought that the lower back pain um, was because of the bulging disc that he had, which is true. He had a bulging disc, but turns out it was the spinach because now he's oxalates. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? No, I think it was the, I don't know if it was the oxalates, but I I have a very strong suspicion. It's the aquaporins because we had another incident where we corn. And so by doing my research, turns out that spinach, soybean, and corn have aquaporins in them. Hmm. Aquaporins, they mimic water channels on the cell surface of all of our cells. And it appears, I don't know by what mechanism, but it appears that the aquaporins really trigger like severe lower back pain. And so now no none of that stuff. And now 
he he no longer complains about it. it was really really bad to the point where he had to get surgery um he couldn't sleep enough couldn't get enough sleep because he couldn't be on his back for too long he couldn't go on road trips too long because he couldn't be sitting down for too long there were a lot of things he couldn't watch two movies in a row because that would like mess up because he couldn't be sitting oh, yeah too long. he had to stretch so a lot of things like that and now like the, the one thing that he ate which was spinach when we removed that now he's you know just perfect he still has the bulging disc but no pain wow and no limitations on activity isn't that amazing that's amazing yeah yeah so that's how I got into I guess carnivore like a very shorthand version yeah <laughs> yeah and how long ago was that I would say fully fully like uh, over two years and before that kind of like dipping my toes a little bit yeah but yeah I say over two years now like completely convinced and uh, actually like not even adding a little bit of stuff on the side, you know? I mean, yeah. I still, like, I'm not a strict carnivore by any means. I'm not like, uh, you know, just red meat every single day. I do yeah. think though that that is the optimal diet for most of us, um, but I still will have like a quest bar or if, um, if, if there's like a little bit of broccoli, like I might have a, a teeny tiny bit like as garnish but, um, but yeah, for the most part, and it's some fruit, like, for example, two days ago, I had like a, a granny Smith apples and, and some mandarins and I had that, but that's like maybe 10, maybe 15% of what I eat that sometimes can be in those forms of foods. Yeah. And do you find that they do like negatively impact you or are you just mm. fine with them? I, I can't help but wonder when I get soreness in my, because I train hard, you know, I ah, yeah. create so much joint pain. Um, I think the biggest reason why um, I, I continuously do not include them. And if I do, like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit guilty is because um, I can feel soreness a little mm. bit more. And I can't help but think I never get sore. So it's probably because I had a little bit of like a quest bar or something like that. Yeah. I can help but make that link. Um, because sometimes I do get tempted. Like if I'm shredding, I want to cut down on body fat. I do get tempted to make a salad and be like, I, I, I don't want to overdo it with dinner. You know, if I have a salad, I have volume. Like a, exactly yeah. like high volume food, but it just, I pay for it. I pay for it with reduced performance the next day. And so I just don't do that anymore. I used to do it more and now not anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing about carnivore as well, or just more of a meat-based diet. It you don't get the light meals. It's like you eat less and you eat less often, like the volume of food, but it is yeah. dense, you know. So it's harder yeah. to do something like a cut, you know. I'm sure if you're trying to be more meat-based. One hundred percent. I and I interviewed a body a competitive bodybuilder who was doing mm -hmm. um, carnivore, and that's. And that's the thing that I asked him. And apparently I think the best solution that from what I gathered from my conversation with him and from what I do is that train hard, increase the amount of calories that you're burning and intermittent fasting. Those two are surefire ways to, for you to never really feel hungry or feel like you need more volume. And that way you get to cut and while at the same time doing it in the most optimal healthiest way possible instead of being tempted to do those little things or like the jello and the things like that. oh yeah <laughs> yeah so 
Yeah. That would be my advice. If somebody wants to compete or wants to cut and at the same time do it in like the, the truly the healthiest diet, in my opinion. Yeah. And do you do any kind of fasting yourself or are you more eat more frequently? I, yeah, I do. No, I don't force it though. Yeah. I just, you know, I just am not hungry in the morning, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wake up and and also I'm usually training in the morning. I'm running, and so that also su- further suppresses your appetite, like faster cardio. And then by the time I'm finished with the running, literally, like I'm I'm about to die. <laughs> I'm out of bed, <laughs> and then I jump over here and I have to teach my morning classes. You yeah. Know? So that so it's easy for me to to fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean I'm sure you you know like the ketosis and yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier if you're fat adapted. That's what I try to explain to people is don't try to fast. the Like when you first start doing this, because you have to give your body the time to actually get fat adapted. And when you do start to do any fasting, it kind of should come more naturally. Like you said, like you just do kind of do it naturally. If you're forcing it all the time, that probably means your body's just not ready for it. Right. 100%. You're going to stress out your adrenals. It's just, it's your body's giving you a signal. And and you need to listen to that. Now, of course, if you're super addicted to foods, you're going to get signals to eat all the time. So this is why the quality of the food first. And then, um, and even, even first, you can just change the quality of the food and then go keto or just go keto first and then clean up the keto and then do carnivore. Just take, take it in steps. It doesn't have to be go like, go like cold Turkey. Cause I know for me, I went from paleo first um, because I also, I forgot to mention I had horrible, well, it wasn't horrible, but I had acne. It wasn't cystic or anything. The only time I ever got cystic acne was when ironically I took Accutane. <laughs> so it's so funny that it, it was the only time I started seeing cystic acne on my face, yeah. but that was another huge trigger for me to start understanding ancestral nutrition. Um, learning about the book by Dr. Lauren Cordain called the acne cure, which helped clear up my skin, even though I took spironolactone for two years. I took Accutane twice. I took birth control pills. I took a three-month course of antibiotics. Um, oh, yeah. Everything. Nothing worked. Yeah. yeah. I had a, a Mirena, which is an IUD, back when my daughter was really little. And I, for the first time in my life, had six, like horrible cystic acne. It's really painful if anyone that's watching hasn't had it before. Yeah. It hurts so bad. And I would have to go on and off antibiotics. Like it would make it stop. But until I took out the IUD, it just kept coming and kept coming. It's like, it was the worst thing. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. So these things that, you know, we think are going to be helping us a lot of the time, not so much. <laughs> They're doing the exact opposite of what you wanted to do. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, how does, how does kind of the way that you've changed your views about nutrition, how does that influence, does it influence your teaching at all? Or are you teaching something completely different? Yeah. I can't help myself, you know, yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, cause when they ask you about what you think, it's like, what are you going to say? Right. right. The, the official textbook, which we use obviously is conventional mainstream nutrition. So we have to, but the good thing is that a lot of it is basic, you know, it's like the basic um, understanding of what are carbohydrates. You've got simple carbs and complex carbs, and those are the sugars that are simple, you know? So there are a lot of like basic um, biology or basic chemistry in it, which is fine. 
But then when they start talking about, you know, that your, your brain can only use glucose for energy and like, okay, hold yes. on. <laughs> and that's the preferred fuel source. Everyone says that. And I'm like, oh no, no. <laughs> That's your body panicking because your blood sugar went up and trying to clear it as fast as possible. That's not your yeah. preferred fuel source. Yeah. So I definitely give them everything. And, um, and I've had a lot of success stories. I had a student last semester. She cleared her psoriasis on a carnivore diet. Her anxiety oh. depression went away. She dropped body fat and she was, she just couldn't, she was so happy. She sent me an email, told everybody, she told us all in class and, you know, I'm, and I see those kinds of transformations all the time. That's so awesome. So you do get to have a little influence over your students as far as telling them what you really I think do. about nutrition. That's good. It's also because they watch the recorded lecture on the weekend. And so when we're together, we're only talking and discussing and doing Q&A. So ah. it's all about talking about the problems with scientific research, why epidemiology is the lowest quality evidence, why the vast majority of nutrition studies is, yeah, that's, it's all we talk about. Absolutely. I love that. And let's, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of my listeners probably know a lot of this stuff, but maybe some of them do need a little refreshment because I think it is easy to hear these messages from, I mean, I heard this podcaster that he's a neuroscientist. I really respect talking yeah. about sugar recently. And he was talking about all these studies about how glucose is the preferred fuel source, this and the other. And I was like, oh man, I really liked you. Um, yeah. <laughs> but why, you know, why is most nutrition science not reliable? Why can we not really base a lot on it? Because epidemiology or observational studies are correlational in nature. They cannot establish cause and effect, right? Mm -hmm. Not only that, like for example, before, before we move into the second major point, there is a correlation, a very strong correlation between the number of, um, what's, what's the name of uh, Nicola, Nicolas Cage, the actor? Oh gosh, yeah. Been, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a good movie, I think that's really funny <laughs> that I'm, I'm really dying to watch. Um, so hopefully no, no additional people are gonna drown. And the reason I say that is because there's a strong correlation between the number of Nicolas Cage movies that come out and the number of drownings um, that happen. And so does that mean that every time Nicolas Cage has a movie, it's causing drownings or vice versa? Obviously not, that's correlation, right? You're getting right. two things just because they're both increasing at the same time does not mean that one is causing the other. That's the vast majority of nutrition science. Now, not only that, the second major point is that there is an inherently flawed tool that collects data in nutrition. That is the FFQ, which is short for Food Frequency Questionnaire. The Food Frequency Questionnaire asks you things like, in the last 12 months, how often have you had um, a burger? You're supposed to remember that. And then was the beef lean or not? They ask you about that because they already have the inherent bias that fat is bad. And so they ask about that, but then they never ask about what about the bun? Did you have the burger with the bun? Did you have it with the French fries? Did you have it with the sodas? They don't ask about those things. 
right? And so now if you say that you're eating um, that this many burgers, you are considered a meat eater. So of course that person is going to show an increased risk of colon cancer or any kind of disease because it's called the James Dean effect. Those are people who are inherently not necessarily into health and fitness. They don't care that much. They might smoke, they, they might not take their vitamins, uh, they're sedentary. So are we really studying here whether red meat is good or bad that way? So that is the tool that is used in pretty much the vast majority of observational nutrition studies, which makes up the majority of nutrition science. I use that with my master's degree. When I did my master's thesis, I had to use it. By the end of it, it took like an hour. By the end of it, my subject wanted to kill themselves. It's like an hour long, you know, question about every single food. It's yeah. just inherently flawed. Yeah. And relying on, on memory as well. Yeah. And that so much of our nutritional science is this epidemiology because I'm sure you get it on your videos on YouTube because there's a lot of interesting folks that like to hang out on YouTube. Hi, everyone. Um, <laughs> but you get all the comments of the people that say, oh, you know, the WHO says da, 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 meat's going to kill you. You're going to clog your arteries, cause heart disease, this, that, and the other. And it's almost like they all kind of have a database of where they're drawing this kind of propaganda information and it's like yeah there's correlational data on that yeah. but it's not causational like they can't yeah. actually prove that meat does that there it's yeah that's exactly. it's if bunk. you want to prove if you want to prove that red meat is actually bad for you you would want to get series a large sample size of twins put them since birth, preferably even while they were still in the womb, just to, to make sure everything is equal and put them in a metabolic ward or like lock them up in a lab and then follow them for years and give them one of one group would be given a carnivore ancestral diet. The other group would be given a vegan or plant-based or whatever it is, the other thing that you're trying to study. And then you do that for a very long period of time and you control for every little factor, whether it's taking vitamins, what activities they're doing, um, how is their social support system? What is the kind of light that is being, um, yeah. that they're exposed to? I mean, everything. Yeah. And then you follow them up till the end. And yeah. that is when you actually have <laughs> a good result that very few people would argue with. Yeah. Until we have that. No, I think it's unconscionable to anybody to say that the one food that we ate for 99.99% of our existence that made us human beings to say that that is inherently a bad food. I think it's unconscionable for anybody or any entity to, to claim that. Yeah. And it's harmful for people's health. I think that, you know, so many, we talk about this a lot on my channel, but, you know, 88% of people are metabolically unhealthy. And the biggest, the big message that's out there being pushed is avoid red meat, avoid eggs, yeah. avoid saturated fat. Those things are going to kill you. And so I love people like you that you, you know, when, when you have like PhD behind your name, people want to listen to you because you've yeah. done done a lot of work and you've done a lot of study. And so yeah. I think a voice but like yours is really important. I, I thank you for that. And that's why I decided to continue and actually graduate because halfway through, I was like, this is, this is, I, I already was very much aware that I wasn't, didn't want to do this. I didn't want to become a assistant professor in a, in a, you know, in a university. And so it was very difficult for me those last few years to finish my dissertation, you know? 
Um, but I knew that people do look at that. That's when I also had started my, P, my, my YouTube. So I knew that if I had that PhD, people pay attention. Unfortunately, I don't think that they should listen to me because of my PhD, because my PhD taught me the complete opposite <laughs> of yeah. what worked for me, my clients, my everybody. You know, if I if I actually teach what I learned from textbook material, I don't think any of my clients would have seen success with all, all sorts of autoimmune conditions and weight loss and all kinds of stuff. Wow. So it's it's yeah, it's I don't know how to feel about it. Um, that, that, that people afford to like, they put so much emphasis like on eminence, you know, like, oh, that mm -hmm. person is a doctor, then they must know what they're talking about. I don't see that. The, I mean, my professors and throughout the whole academic journey, if, if they were really doing big changes, they would have been a lot more known and they would have, you know, they wouldn't have just stayed there doing that. And so, um, but unfortunately it is what it is and, and it, I'll take it, you know, I'll yeah. keep it. <laughs> I'll yeah. Keep it. <laughs> yeah. And now you have a platform to be able to help people and say, I have done the research and I have learned all about nutrition science and how it works. And here's why it actually doesn't work. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ex yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been there, so you can't tell me, oh, what do you know? Like, trust me, I've been through the whole process. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you've had a little, a personal transformation yourself. I've seen some before and after pictures. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, I dropped like over 25 pounds. I think by now it's even been, it's, it's a little bit more than that too. Um, since I've created the, I should probably update them, but yeah, I mean, I've lost a lot of body fat, um, and for good, like not in a yo-yo fashion, which yeah. I've done in the past. Um, and that was, that started with keto first, but then definitely solidified on a carnivore diet because with the keto thing, um, I was still doing like keto junk food, you know, still yeah. doing like keto treats and stuff, which you just, you can't do. You can't. Keep yeah. Those. No, you can't have sugar addiction. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's the same thing. You know, I can't differentiate between a keto brownie and a regular brownie. I still want to eat all of it. <laughs> too many of them. Yeah, yeah. And it's just not good food to keep around at all. It's addictive. It's engineered yeah. to be as addictive as possible because they'll yeah. test out various recipes. And then the one that literally is the most addictive, that's the one that gets placed on the market and marketed to us. Um, and so, yeah, we don't leave any of this stuff in the house. Like you open yeah. our fridge, it's like eggs, bacon, meat. meat. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all kinds of meat or fish, like salmon, things like that. Yeah. 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 Same. Like our fridge is, it's sad. I'm like, well, <laughs> I was going to say sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then like, mm. Actually that's not, cause it's not like standard American diet. It's completely right. opposite. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah but it's, it's a not. different way of kind of learning to eat though. I mean, you, you think you're, we're brought up to think, and I'm sure as a nutritionist and all your education is like meat, you know, small part of your plate, whole grains, vegetable for, you know like how to build a plate and yeah, yeah that's it's, all <laughs> it's shocking how they haven't even updated that I mean ever since like the first time I went to a dietitian um I was 14 she gave me she basically followed the food guide pyramid you know the base was all carbs mm -hmm. 
And if you really look at it right now, even so many years later, it's still the same message, low fat, high carb. Um, what, what, what is the big difference between the food guide pyramid and the my plate right now? Basically graphics. That's yeah. pretty much it. How yeah. they, you know, they change the graphics every few years and that's pretty much it. They have not, they have not really taken responsibility for that to, to truly, and, you know, it's not very surprising given that 95% of committee members that are tasked with creating the dietary guidelines for Americans have very close ties with the food companies and the pharmaceutical companies. And so, of course, you're going to get the recommendations that are pretty flattering for the food companies, right? Because yep. if you tell people to eat an ancestral carnivore diet, that means 99.99% of the food companies are going to go out of business unless they do a massive reorientation and be super nimble and, and, and cater to the new needs. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'd love to know some things maybe just in your journey. I've watched some of your videos um, about things that you once thought that you've completely changed your mind on just in the last few years, honey, I was going <laughs> to, that's the I video that's I watched. Where you were going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, Cause when I first started doing carnivore, I was listening to a lot of Dr. Um, Paul Saladino. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when you first start carnivore, first of all, I had to take a deep breath and be like, Oh my God, am I really doing this? Am I really going to only eat meat? Like, it's just, it's a lot, you know, and for, yeah. for, you have to understand someone like me has been heavily brainwashed yeah. to be very skeptical, you know, anything. Yeah. So it was, it was much harder for someone like me to, to be receptive to this message. And so this is why when I then realized, like, hmm, well, Dr. Saladino says that honey might actually not be that terrible for you. Obviously, for someone with my brain chemistry, sugar addiction, and not really being very good with being moderate with those kinds of foods, it helped me get into carnivore. For sure. Yeah. You know, it was a good transition, but I think eventually I realized based on new research um, very recently, actually, I had cut it out just because of uh, to be able to cut more efficiently. But then I did more research recently. And uh, because I'm equally passionate about anti-aging medicine in general, turns out that um, MGO, which is methylglyoxal, which is ironically, the most um, celebrated portion of Manuka honey ah. that has the antibacterial um, functions is also very highly reactive and it leads to advanced glycation end products. In other words, yes, the, 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 the very single thing that is supposed to be so good for you in honey is the single thing that speeds up the aging process exponentially. Now that's preliminary research, but I'm not going to spend my life and then discover the result. There's really nothing in honey that's so amazing that I, that I'm going to be deficient in if I cut it out. So I'd rather be on the safe side and just cut it out completely. And I wouldn't recommend it for most people. If your goal is also life extension and aging in with the best quality uh, of years. Yeah. I've seen so many people that have kind of been like you, they listen to 
Saladino and they think, oh, because he says things like ketosis is dangerous and you have to have fruit and honey. Yeah, Yeah. like continuous ketosis. Yeah. You know, for some people, maybe in the short term, they because they feel a little bit of extra energy. I think it's more of a short term effect. I don't think we necessarily have to be so scared of long-term ketosis. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not discounting anybody else's experience. And I yeah. do understand the science is lacking still. So yeah. for me, I don't worry about that. And I most certainly do not make a concerted effort to eat carbs, to balance out, you know, to kick myself to get out. out. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's so much that, again, we're still learning about it. I talked with, um, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Dannenberg. Um, he's, he's great. Um, he's been on my show before he actually was diagnosed with terminal cancer and able to, um, reverse it. He's still alive. They said he had like three months to live. He was in hospice and he did a high fat carnivore diet and, saved his life. I mean, and now wow. he coaches people. Yeah. His story is amazing. Um, but I just had him back on recently. I haven't even published it yet because he is now saying to have a robust immune system, take one day out of ketosis and have some fruit or have something. I'm like, okay, I'm just always kind of willing to listen to all viewpoints. I feel like if we put ourselves in a box and say, ketosis is bad or you know if we start to do that sort of thing then we lose the ability to learn from others we lose the ability to can you know continue to expand where we're at and I'm like well you know what if Dr. Dannenberg if that's working for him and he was like almost basically dead he was in hospice care and that's where he's evolved to now himself and for his clients then sure I'll listen to it but when people start to go black and white with stuff and say it has to be specific way then i'm kind of like okay (laughs) yeah Yeah. especially in nutrition because we don't have the privilege of having solid data to to fall back on so we have to use science as a simple tool in nutrition but we also have to use other fields of science like toxicology and um anthropology and we have to come up with our own um sort of philosophy about it all those things it's really more of a philosophy um until we have the kind of study that i explained which will probably never really exist <laughs> right that's why we can't make it like a religion because like you said that the type that doing that type of a study where you're basically putting people in a metabolic ward for their entire life that's never going to happen right no. <laughs> Yeah. No, no ethical review board, institutional review board, which is like the ethics board of all universities that are supposed to approve study. None of those, they're not going to approve a study like that. So it's yeah. unethical unless these subjects are very willing. Now, what I can definitely see happening soon is getting pairs of twins and doing a six month study and putting uh, someone a vegan or plant-based or whatever, like Mediterranean diet, which is what everybody's in love with right oh, now. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> doing that <laughs> and then putting the other pair on, um, or the, the other twin you know, on a carnivore diet. I think there are people under, who understand about nutrition, who understand our frustration, how, how much we want those studies. And I think there are people who would volunteer to do that. And I think that would give us pretty good data, at least six months, you know, now there are things that we can't determine, you know, that are more long-term like Parkinson's disease, you know, heart disease, things like that. 
I'll take six months, you know, yeah. and I, I, I'm very flexible with my views. I, I just like I um, updated everybody about my views on honey that I no longer recommend it. I am more than happy to change because if I'm not changing, that means I'm not learning. I'm not growing. Yeah. So Agreed. I would never want to be that person. Agree. Yeah. And you know, the thing going back to honey a little bit, that's just something I've seen with my clients. I don't know about you, but some of them can have it and they're okay, but some of them, it causes their blood sugar to just go up and stay up. And then it doesn't come down. Like their blood sugar is up for three, four hours and longer. And I'm like, if you don't, if your blood sugar doesn't go back to baseline within a reasonable amount of time, you're causing damage in your body, which again, when you were talking about anti-aging, we don't want to be doing that, right? No, because of glycation, right? Because yes. of more carbs you're eating, when your, your blood sugar goes up, glucose molecules start attaching to all kinds of things in your body that you don't want it getting attached to. And so this is what we call the um, production of advanced glycation and products. It's like glucose attaching to your blood vessels, your cellular structures, to, to hormones, to proteins, where it has no business attaching to. Even your collagen um, starts getting degraded. And so you see um, premature aging, premature wrinkles, all, wow. all kinds of hallmarks of aging start happening faster. And specifically also, when you're eating things like honey or fruits, because they have fructose, that, that sugar that, that has a much sweeter taste that compared to other sugars, Fructose can be eight times more damaging and it can lead to eight times more glycating action or um, those advanced glycation and products. So it can, it can have that effect up to eight times more compared to glucose or um, savory forms of carbohydrates. So another wow. reason why the sweet taste is really not, not that great for us, especially in wow. large quantities. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the biggest thing is and and people tend to just overeat those. Like you said, it's hard to just have, like, honestly, having just like one brownie doesn't even sound appealing to me. I don't know about you. (laughs) It's like, I'll have bother. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm going to have it, I'm going to have the whole thing, you know, like the the carrot cake, you know how they, um, you you have Publix in Georgia. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. (laughs) You know, the carrot cake that they you can eat half of it. Well, I can eat all of it, but like if I'm exerting self-discipline, I'll eat half of it, like half of the whole roll, you know? I mean, when I would go through like those cycles and just, if I'm feeling just really terrible and I I'm just hopeless, I'll go and I'll get the whole cookie thing that yeah. public sells that has like 2,500 calories. Oh yeah. Like that's, oh yeah. That's insane. Yeah. But I could, I could eat that in one sitting. Yeah. Their dessert cases, they even sell frosting, like buttercream frosting in a container. Cause we have a Publix like walking distance from here. <laughs> and that's one of my husband's favorite treats is like a buttercream, like just to eat the frosting. I'm like, really? oh my God. Yeah. He doesn't really do it anymore because we've, I mean, I've just changed the whole way that we eat. And so for his birthday this year, I've already told this story like 30 times and my listeners and be like, don't tell it again, please. <laughs> but um, <laughs> for his birthday this year, we were going to go, you know, get barbecue and get dessert and all that. He didn't want it. He wanted me to just cook the wild salmon that I cook and make dinner here. He didn't want dessert. He didn't want any of it. And I was like, huh? He's like, I just don't want to feel bad. I'm so used to feeling good. It's my birthday. Like, why would I want to feel bad? And so it's, yeah, it's cool when people can have that, um, that connection there of just like, when I eat buttercream frosting, 
I feel like crap for three days, you know, and then I wake up the next day yeah. and I want to have it again. Cause that's the nature of it. Right. That's exactly what happens to me. Exactly. And that's why yeah. now I don't, I used to at the beginning be like, Oh, but maybe just, okay, I can do carnivore, but let's do a cheat meal too. Yeah. Um, but it does not work for me because like you said, for the next three days, it takes me like three days to really go back like on meal plan correctly. Yep. Yeah. And when we say like cheat meal, I can't remember who it was. I think it's my friend, Mary. Um, she always says cheating is implying that we're going to get ahead in some way. And it's like, if we eat something that's damaging our body, like, how are we getting ahead? You know, like, how is what's... that cheating? Exactly. Right. Right. How is it helpful? What is it exactly that you're cheating? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's what also I, um, uh... I said for this, but my birthday is coming up May 16th and my mother-in-law is going to come and visit us. And it, I'm, she's probably already deciding on what cake to make. Oh <laughs> yeah. I know that story. <laughs> I, was like, I, I sat down my husband and I was like, listen, I am not having cake on my birthday. I just, I don't care yeah. for it. You know, we can have fun. We can, you know, like we'll do whatever, but I don't want to have cake. And uh, I just wanted to make sure we're both on the on the same page because she can be very, you know, convinced, oh, yeah. you know, but no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. We're, you know, we're taught so much that food is like a love language. And I think yeah. people in our lives, our family members can get really offended if we don't eat the food that they've made us, or we don't partake in the dessert, but it takes some time. And I think it takes really honest conversations um, for family members to get to that place. I mean, my, I've been married to my husband for, you know, we've been together like 16, 17 years. And finally now my in-laws, when I come there, they don't get upset if I don't eat the dessert, you know, if I don't eat the food, they're like, Oh, okay. No big deal. It's like, they're just happy that I'm there to spend time with them. But there were a lot of years where they were like offended that I wasn't yeah. partaking, you know? So it, it, <laughs> It takes yeah. some time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely went through that as well. Um, yeah. And also, especially when I first made the transition to eating more meat, you know, it was like, so you're just going to eat meat, you know, like yeah. you can, he wouldn't say it, but you can tell they're, they are taking offense to it, you know? Yeah. And I, I would notice sometimes that just so that, you know, just to get along with everybody, it's just Thanksgiving dinner, I'll, I'll leave some space for a pie, but like, I don't do that anymore. I just, yeah. you know, I just know. And then they get used to it. Just like you said, it becomes normal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, one of your other videos I was watching that I thought was great was this whole idea of um, vitamin A toxicity. I feel like I talk mm -hmm. about this a lot on my channel, but I love to talk to different people about it, especially someone of your background, because there is, I think a lot of fear that's been going around about this vitamin a toxicity thing yeah. and so and i'm a big yeah. sun worshiper i even have i do uv therapy like i'll have a sparity vitamin d lamp that i use all winter um awesome. yeah my vitamin d was a 60 when i checked it at the beginning of mark and march and i didn't take any supplements all winter it was just from the lamp wow yeah that's yeah. probably even more efficient than supplements it is what well, it's much more efficient than the supplements yeah. But people are like, oh, because I talk about my organ meat supplements a lot. And I'm like, oh, I love them and they're great. And they're like, oh my God, you're going to get vitamin A toxicity. I'm like, I am not <laughs> because the fat soluble vitamins, you know, they balance each other out, right? 
100%. And I started getting a lot of questions about that because I would recommend organ supplements mm-hmm. and uh, I would take them and recommend them in all of my um, videos. And that was also something that a lot of people were wondering about. And so when I dug into the research, it was pretty straightforward, you know, that yeah. you don't need to worry about that as long as your vitamin D levels are optimal. And as long as you're not deficient in vitamin D, because that they balance one another's action. Um, right. You can't take too much of one. Um, it's going to be a problem. So you have to make sure both are high. Right. And, uh, and so the only thing that I would tell people is that if you're trying to get your vitamin A and vitamin D from cod liver oil, just pay attention because a lot of newer formulations of cod liver oil for an unknown reason, probably because of the way they refine it, um, they're, when, they're, when they're testing them, the vitamin D is way too low compared to the vitamin A content in them. So just pay attention to that. And I know I should do a video like specifically saying like which brands um, are good. So, so that's definitely on my radar to, to cover in the future. But in a nutshell, if you're optimizing for vitamin D, please do not worry about high vitamin A. If anything, we need vitamin A for, for so many reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since everyone's worried about their immune system function. It's like that's vitamin D is a vital piece. Vitamin A is absolutely a vital piece. Yeah. 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 And I love the, um, the Rosita's cod liver oil. I don't know if you've tried that one, but that's a really good brand. Yeah. I'll look it up. Okay. Yeah. 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 Rosita's cod liver is the best one that I've found. That's doesn't have um, anything added to it and it's very pure and their process is really good. So I trust that one. Um, that's the only one I found that I really trust. Wonderful. Yeah. I will definitely look into that for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, what are you working on right now? What are you really excited about in your own uh, professional life? I'm always life excited. And- <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about everything. Uh, I'm excited about the YouTube channel, you know, collaborations that we do like this is so great. Um, I love to learn new things. And this is the great thing about the YouTube channel is that you get to learn new things to create yeah. content along the way. So it's like, you're constantly growing. Um, that's my main, main focus. My main focus is that I also do, I didn't mention that I, I kind of like stuck to the academic background, but um, I also take a lot of um, dance classes because I do want to do dance workout classes. I'm oh. still not sure if I'm going to lump them together in one video or create another separate YouTube channel um, for that. Um, that is like the second big goal that I'm gearing up towards, which is why I'm on a cutting phase right now, because I like once I shoot them, I want to to be, you know, in like the best shape that I can. Um, And then once that because I feel I feel like if I had done a YouTube channel talking about all kinds of stuff like beauty, lifestyle, those things, there's a lot more interest because it's more like entertaining. But I don't know why I was like, let's, let's talk about the one thing that people don't want to hear about not eating 99% of the foods that they eat. You know, it's a very narrow little niche. So, but I, I can only create things that I'm passionate about and it comes easy to me, which is why I'm creating a lot about those things. It's like what I'm doing right now. Um, but yeah, like the goal is to also branch out into additional topics, just to widen the net if you want. Um, and like, that's really a passion of mine, um, dancing and, 
and singing and all that kind of stuff. The singing is going to come later. I'm not going to overload you with all my goals, but like for now, those are like the two biggest short-term goals, growing those channels. Love that. And I mean, I think it's essential, like you said, the food is part of the lifestyle piece, but the movement and the singing and the dancing, I mean, that's essential for health as well, I think. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is why I feel like maybe I could lump them in one in one channel. It wouldn't be too separate. So I'm still undecided on that. But yeah, they're everything is connected, you know, yeah, everything. Absolutely. It's, it's health and wellness and movement. One of my biggest um fantasy, well, not really fantasies, like I have a lot of goals, <laughs> but one of my goals is to be able to create a world or a business where instead of having a fast food chain every around every block is to have like a dance box you know like oh, a place fun. where you go and you just dance and you can serve meat and water and there'll be like a bonfire and it doesn't have to be at night it can be throughout the whole day and we can have instructors teaching you basic movements and then you can follow along and it'll be a place where people can get together and move because if you're taking away addictive foods a lot of people that's that's what they have in their life it's like yeah i'm gonna eat now and then and then later and then tonight it's like their whole life revolves around food and i i understand it because yeah. once i dig into a cake that's the only thing i can think of okay, what am i gonna eat after that and after yeah. that tomorrow you know um i understand that addictive mindset and so when you remove something as addictive like that you have to replace it with something else that's addictive. And I think dance and movement is such a primal thing that can activate the same yes. dopamine pathways in the brain. And, and if you, if, if I can, if I can give the world that form of addiction, that would be amazing to me. So I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, I definitely want to link your channel. I saw a couple of the dance videos when I was looking through your channel. Yeah. yeah. Lots yeah, they're fun. very, I, I'm still learning how to do the audio is, you know, I mean, I kept them, but I, I, I'm gearing up to like improve the production value and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I'm taking my time, but I'm every other day, I'm taking hours of classes. I'm, I'm putting everything together. So it's coming. Yeah, I love it. Well, Thank this you. has been super fun and I'm really excited for my audience that they don't, that the ones that don't know you to introduce you to them and uh, where can they find you if they want to follow you and start learning more about what you do in your work? Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. So dr. Sarah, S-A-R-A-H dot Zaldivar. I'm sure it'll be linked below. Um, yes. YouTube channel, yeah, YouTube channel, my name, Dr. Sarah with an H, Zaldivar. Um, I do have, you know, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter. Um, the, but the main thing that gets updated and is being focused on right now is YouTube. With Instagram, I share things, but it's not like I have a strategy for Instagram. Yeah. I just share, you know, I just, yeah. I do it for fun and I share articles I like or new studies or selfies, like it's for fun. But the YouTube is where I like, I'm actively working on. Um, but yeah, that, that, those would be, I guess, the two main places. Awesome. I'll definitely link all that in the information section so people can go follow you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been so, so much fun. And now I need to ask you to come over to my channel. So we'll talk about that afterwards. <laughs> definitely. I would love to. <laughs> all right. All right, guys. I hope that you enjoyed that really fun conversation with Dr. Sarah. Again, there are timestamps as well as all of her information down in the show notes. I highly recommend that you go and check her out. 
Also linked in the show notes will be my 21-day leptin reset program, which launches on May the 30th. We actually have our first Zoom call on May 29th. There's also a link to get 50% off my three-day circadian kickstart course if you just want to get started in resetting those hunger hormones and all of your hormones as we speak of those things. And the links for both of the sponsors of today's show. Optimal Carnivore is my number one source for organ meats. I love their beef liver complex as well as their organ meat complex. My code there is carnivore uppercase Y to save 10% and the link is also down in the show notes. And then upgraded formulas. This is the way I fine tune my supplementation through their hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation. This allows me to see if I am taking unnecessary supplements or if there are things that I need to fill in the gaps of temporarily. We're not meant to take all kinds of supplements for the long term, but sometimes we can boost up our bodies and feel better by adding things in strategically. So that is again why I love that hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation to help you fine tune. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you get a chance, head on over to Apple or Spotify, leave us up to a five-star review. It helps to get the podcast out to more people. And I look forward to speaking with you again very, very soon. Have a really wonderful day. Bye.